Coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. My 21-year-old son, about a month ago, uh, suffered a, a mental breakdown. <clears throat> and uh, if, I, if I break my ankle, doctor, I go to the ER and I get it fixed. I get a cast on. Yeah. If I break something in my brain, no one seems to know how to, how to help you or yeah. help my son. Yo, 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 what up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. So glad that you're with us. Hey, this weekend, I was in, I mean, there's the woods, and then there's backwoods, and then there's the places behind those woods in the middle of the country is where I'll tell you. And um, my family and I went there to visit some friends who literally live in a log cabin. We love them. And it's kind of a sanctuary for us. And uh, we were there and we went to a firework show and with this community, a small community. And um, we're sitting there on a blanket. Dude, I've got bug bites in places I did not know you could get bug bites. And uh, all of you people who are like, I'm just going to get my whatever and my go bags and go to the woods. You'll die from bugs, just so you know. You won't. You'll... <laughs> take fewer guns and knives and take more off because the battle will be won with who can who can take the bug bites. But that's that's a digression. So I'm in sitting on a blanket and there's a turtle race and a watermelon eating contest. I mean, exactly how you think it would be. Uh, and lovely, lovely people. And somebody so kind, I won't say their name here, was just started telling me a story about how they've had multiple people pass away in their family this year and how this show has been helpful to a couple of their family members as they're navigating boundaries and I'm not responding to this text thread and I'm staying out of this and so dude it just it it it's awesome. And that's because of you all who listen to this show and pass it along to your friends and then they pass it to their sister or to their brother or their cousin when somebody passed away. I just want to say personally um, way back in the woods where there's lovely, lovely, lovely people. Um, where we're going, we don't need roads. There, as people listening to the show and um, doing the hard work of uh, loving each other anyway and and uh, making some changes in their personal lives and in their marriages and in their homes and in, their, in the mess, messiness of life. So thank you so much. Keep passing it along. Um, if you're a review person, I've kind of take, I, I don't do reviews just as like my way of sticking it to the man, which is such a, such a lame way to stick it to the man. Um, but if you're a review person, leave a good review and I'd be really grateful. And if you have a negative review, send it to, um, Kelly's personal cell number and I'll post that on Instagram later on today. All right, let's go straight to, uh, the phone. Let's go to Eddie in Austin, Texas. What's up, Eddie? Uh, yes. Hi. Hi, doctor. Thank you for taking my call. Of um, course, brother. How are you, man? Well, well, not well. I'm not a man of many words, but right now this is a tough one for, for me and my wife, my family. Oh, my 21-year-old son about a month ago uh, suffered a, a mental breakdown. <clears throat> and uh, so um, quickly I... I uh, I found out that this mental health system is, it's, it's really, it's really difficult to navigate. Um, yes. To help my son. It's a mess. What? Hey, so, um, so, yeah. Uh, like, hold on a second. Hold on a second, Eddie. Um, number one, I'm going to stop right there. Thank you for calling. It's a hard call to make. Okay. So um, the, the number of dads I've sat with in your exact seat 
I can't count them. There's been a lot. And I know this is a hard, hard moment to say it out loud. And I want to just want to applaud your bravery. Okay. It's hard. Very, very hard. Um, when you say your son had a mental breakdown, what does that mean? What happened? Well, we found out <clears throat> he had been a, he was on his own, uh, living in San Antonio. Okay. He, he was, he had a steady uh, income job, became a realtor. He left that steady income job to go 100% commissioned. And it was hard. He, he was, he's a, he's a, he's a young man that he's a hard worker. He, he, uh, he has no debt. He invests his money. And all of a sudden he, oh, well, he, he, uh, he just started, um, having problems with, with his memory. Mm. And he started getting really paranoid about things. Yeah. He seemed to lose touch of reality at times okay. and uh, found out that he had a month. This happened a month, about a month ago, found out that before that, a month before that, he had quit smoking marijuana. He, he was a daily user mm-hmm. and uh, also a CBD user, which I didn't know what that was till now. And uh so that, that that's what happened. So he, he couldn't function. He, he, he we brought him home with us, and we, you know, we're if I if I break my ankle, doctor, I go to the ER and I get it fixed. I get a cast on. Yeah. If I break something in my brain, no one no one seems to know how to how to help you yeah. how to help my son. Yeah. So when I, when he I know it's not that easy. Complicated, but it's complicated, uh, but it, it is that easy and it is that complicated. So it's both and okay. And the the yeah. challenge here is to not lean into the despair part. Okay. Yeah. And at the same yeah. time, you gotta lean into the grief part. And we'll get to that, but real quick, did, often um by the way, I have zero, none, um, uh, I have no issues with with CBD. I haven't seen any sort of studies whatsoever that suggests that's in that, that has any sort of negative effects on somebody. Okay. It is a hemp derivative, but I, I, that doesn't bother me. It, it, I would suggest my students used to, and, and, and friends, kids, especially would go, I would always tell people don't buy health products at a gas station. That's never the place to get that stuff. Right. Um, but that didn't bother me. My question for you about the hemp, I mean, about CBD, about marijuana, often when people feel themselves starting to slowly unspool, that helps or that's where they go. They end up there. They might drink. They might, they starting to look for ways to tamp down an increasingly loud, volatile brain. And also I've heard recently in the past few years, people just smoking weed with their buddies and it's got fentanyl in it and they literally cook their brain. And so my question for you is, is any sort of, is doctor, any doctor said this is a, a chemical induced issue or actually the marijuana was your son trying to self-medicate a, um, a pretty quickly devolving psychological state. Well, he he was he was uh, smoking marijuana so that he can calm down. He oh, was stressed okay. out. Okay. He, he had he had a he had a lot of stress, and he said, you know, he would he would use it to go to sleep and to function and to focus. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Um, I, okay. I did. I did take him recently to a mental clinic uh, that is um, tied to UT Health Center. Okay. And um, nurse practitioner under a, psychi- a psychiatrist mm-hmm. is, has diagnosed him with substance-induced psychosis. Okay. And general and, and general anxiety disorder. Okay. Um, other other places, uh, MHMR, mm-hmm. they. They, they they diagnosed him with severe depression, okay. um, but again, uh, in some places, since he's twenty one, uh, they don't let the you know the That's parents right. go in and you know, right. it, they don't see the other things that happen, and they only hear what he he tells them. Right. And sometimes you know that's not the full picture. Gotcha. Okay. So, <clears throat> do me a favor and take a huge deep breath. And hold it, okay? As deep as your lungs can hold. And then let it out. Whew. All right. Okay. So if you have um, substance abuse-induced psychosis or extreme anxiety to the point that um, your body's rattling or you have um, severe depression... I can I can see a place where these are all on some sort of similar trend line. Let me give you some peace of mind that they didn't both come back and say your son's got something like schizophrenia. Okay, yeah. you're, you're talking about two very different paths forward. Okay, okay. and so um, I'm not saying this to belittle my friends and community members who've got um, family members with schizophrenia. What I'm saying is if I took my son in, I would much rather a diagnostic out of the gate of he smoked so much weed, he he, he rattled his body up, okay? Um, or he's so anxious, he took a job and he put himself in a situation where his body said, hey, I'm out. Or he's been pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And he's got some childhood traumas, et cetera, and he's ended up very, very depressed. I would much rather walk that road with my son than get a diagnosis of schizophrenia, okay? Like a a, a psychiatric illness due to brain lesions or brain functioning. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. Uh, so I'm trying to give you a light you. here, okay? Thank you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, can I can I ask you something? Dark? You, you can uh, ask me anything you want to. You got it. Uh, uh, should I keep? Should I keep? Um, you know, I I quickly found out that there's other mental health clinics that mm-hmm. I can take him. Cost a lot of money. It would cost us a lot of our life savings to take him. Mm-hmm. Um, should I should I go that route to get the the right diagnosis if to be sure and, and you know he, he to, to, so that I can you know, move forward with this. I don't know what. Right now, uh, did, what, what, when you went to the, the UT system and you met with the, the psychiatrist or the, the psychiatric nurse practitioner, did they give you a plan of, of action moving forward? Or did they just write you a script well, and send they, you out the door? They, 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 they do. They, they, they gave me, they gave him, uh, you know, the prescription medicine okay. to take as needed. Um, he does follow up. He's going to follow up with a uh, therapist. Okay. Um, he, he, he is much better 
then he when, when this crisis event happened to him, you know, he's, he's doing a little bit better. He he wants he lives in San Antonio, and we have actually a family property there. And he's been staying there okay. by himself. I don't know if that's healthy for him. Um, you know, he he's not working. I'm helping him uh, at uh, the. You know, they, that's another issue that you know that that we're my wife and I have been contemplating. Sure. Not so, knowing, you know, how to how to move forward with it. Um, so let me let me tell you what I would do in your situation. Okay. Number one, um, what the psychiatrist gave you, the the psychiatric MP gave you, is a very standard treatment of care. Okay. Okay. They gave him some medicine to, and the fact that she said as needed would give me another level of relief. That sounds like, and again, I'm not there, so I'm speaking off the cuff here, okay? Yeah. But it sounds episodic, yeah. meaning this is not indicative of, if we keep pressing the same way we were pressing, yes, eventually we're going to have some, the, if we keep driving the car the way we were driving it, eventually this engine's going to stop, right? But yeah. what she's saying is, Hey, take this gas treatment as if you hear knocks and pings and you got to drive safer. And by the way, we're going to, um, we're going to do some things to help along the way. So that's number one. The next thing would be is you need to get some new driving lessons. Okay. And what the data tells me is research is very clear that therapy plus the medication is the magic there. Okay. And I've got my own opinions on that. They're not important right now. I think getting your son um, in with a good therapist right now is really, really important. And so if I'm going to, I've spent money somewhere. And again, this is just me talking. If I'm going to spend money in my life somewhere, I'm not going to go chase a third and a fourth and a fifth diagnosis. I'm just not. I'm going to get off of YouTube. Okay. I'm going to go get with a good counselor and lucky luckily you're in an area you're in that area between austin and san antonio dude there's some great practitioners there okay yeah. of all different flavors and here's what the the, the scholarship tells us it doesn't matter the flavor as much as it matters the relationship between the therapist and the and the client okay correct what does that mean find a place where your son feels comfortable where he can go tell the truth okay yeah. That's going to be yeah. more important than is it an MFT or a psychologist or say psych- oh, the psychiatrist does the medical stuff. Um, I want you to go find, help him find a good counselor. Okay. Now here's really important. If I'm you and he's willing to do the work to get well, I would probably ask my son, I give him the option to come live with me for six months and get things lined back up. Um, I am a person who believes that um, loneliness and isolation is one of the chief drivers of anxiety. Okay. And so right. that idea that I'm on my own, I'm on my own, I'm on my own, our bodies are simply not designed to exist that way. They're just not. Um, and this is thousands yeah. of years old. It, we're just not wired to live that way. And um, so I would give him the option and that option would come with some stipulations. You got you can't miss counseling. Um, we're going to help out X and we're going to help out with Y, but you got to get a job. You got to have some sort of purpose. You got to have some reason for to get up and go, which is the little wins, which helps in both depression and it helps in, in anxiety. Okay. And yeah. we're going to have some weekly check-ins, just dad and son going to breakfast. 
talking about talking yeah. about the Astros, right? I mean, we're going to do some, we're going to redo human stuff, not about the diagnosis and how you feel in and give me a one to 10 scale. That's for him and the counselor. We're going to start doing life. You get what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Um, and so that, I mean, yeah, that's, I, I, if I'm in your exact situation, that's, that's the path I would take. And he could, he's 21. He could tell me to screw off. He could tell me I'm not coming home. Um, he could tell me, no, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep hammering away at this job. I'm going to keep doing it. He's 21. He can do that. The other thing you can do here is also, um, he doesn't have to do this, but you can ask for a release from his psychiatrist or his counselor. And if you're paying for it, that might be part of it, unless he's not going to go. The other thing is you can always give information one way to a counselor. And every therapist I know really welcomes that information. Meaning if he gets a therapist or a psychiatrist or something, you can send them an email of, hey, he was abused as a child. Him and his, my, him, me and his, his mom got in fights and ain't, like whatever the history you think you need, that that therapist needs to know, you're welcome to send that. Sure. Okay. He did, he did sign the release. And, uh, yeah. Okay, great. He did, he did, yeah, so I do have that access to that. And what... what what about when he it, 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 he's you know he is taking medicine as needed and but he does want to take that CBD is that uh, okay or is that <laughs> that's between him and his doctor quite honestly um, okay. I know people that were highly anxious and I can only attribute it to CBD helping reset the uh, anxiety response. It, for, it, it, there's a whole chemical pathway there. Um, and then I've, I've talked to practitioners who say, dude, we see little to no help. Okay. Um, Did it make I, it worse though? I've not seen that. I've never seen that. Again, that's a question <laughs> for his side of it. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen any sort of data or any sort of personal experience or any sort of, um, if it helps you, I take, I take CBD. I take a clinical grade, um, I used to take it quite regularly when I was struggling with anxiety and now I take okay. it very sparingly. Okay. I've never seen any sort of connectivity between CBD and psychosis. Maybe if you t- took okay. a ton of it or something. Um, I also don't smoke. Um, so okay. I, I'm not going to smoke anything either. And by the way, I okay. get it from a highly reputable clinical grade company. I don't get it from a gas station. Okay. Okay. So that's just my per- that's just my personal thing. What I would strongly recommend, though, is have that conversation with the psychiatric MP. Okay. And if he or she says no, then absolutely cut it off because everybody's different. And he may need a time okay. to reset his reset himself. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But to have some have All some right. peace there. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, is there some things in his history in his past that you're worried about? Or is this just a matter of a young kid getting out on his own and trying to hit the gas too hard and then got to smoking a lot, a lot, a lot and not sleeping very much and living off Red Bull and Monster Energy drinks and all of a sudden just spun out? I, 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 think, I think he had some stressors uh, that I just, you know, that came about um, that have that con- contributed to this. Um, where he used to work, <clears throat> he, he, had a, he was a property manager of, uh, you know, a real estate company. Yeah. Uh, and he had to... Uh, he, he, he got a call that he had to go to some apartment complex or whatever to ask about to, to move their car because they were parked in the right spot. Mm. Got a gun pulled on him. Uh. Um, his, 
another thing that we found out was recently his, his girlfriend had an abortion. He's pro-life. Okay. So, so he's dealing with uh, a lot of trauma. Trauma. Yeah. The, the, I asked him what uh, he's like, just being on his own was hard for him. And he, yeah. he, he's not one to ask for help. I said, why, why don't you ever come to me and ask for help? I mean, mm-hmm. his truck broke down. And so I think, a lot of things just bottled up. And so, hey, hey, let me give you a a, a tool, okay? Um, yeah. Often, when somebody's hurting, or when somebody's being abused, or when some any kind of thing like that, we go to them, and our first thought is, "Dude, why didn't you tell me? I would have stood arm in arm with you. I would have thrown the first punch. Why didn't you tell him say anything?" Right. Here's the here's the response I've seen in my own life and in those I walk with and work with in their life that has become more a more effective entry point into that conversation, especially between fathers and sons. Son, I'm sorry that I didn't give you a picture of what asking for help looks like. Either you're a person who asks for help a lot, and your son never saw that, or you model those same things and you're a good Texan who just figures it out. And when you don't figure it out, you crack another beer and then you figure it out the next day. Right. And what I have found is asking somebody, why didn't you simply adds to the list of things that they, it it their body responds as it's a fracture in our relationship, which is going to sound those alarms even louder. The entry point being, dude, I'm so sorry. I didn't give you a picture of what this looks like. That's on me. Here's my commitment moving forward. Will you make that commitment with me? That's, that's, yeah. a, that's a much different entry point because that's saying we're going to do this together, not why didn't you screw this up or why did you screw this up? And just for the, the dads listening out there, the other day I was um, driving with my son and I was having a relatively hard conversation and the conversation was being had with me with a – the number one, he's one of the top researchers in the planet in his particular thing. I'm struggling with a, um, I'm trying to get something worked out with my physiology, with my diet, and it's not working the way I wanted it to work. And it's frustrating for me. And I was talking to him on the phone and my son was just sitting there. And I thought, you know what? He needs to hear another expert telling his dad that his dad's ways to try to hack the system are not working and he needs to just follow the plan. So I put on speakerphone and this guy's great human being funny and also was giving it to me a little, give me the like, Hey, you got to do this. Right. But I wanted my son to hear that. And then afterwards I said, Hey, I know you know this, but I call people to help with coaching too, because I need to get help too. And he's like, I know dad, I know. And I said, no, no, no. I need you to hear that. I was talking to the number one person in the country on this topic and I still was acting as though I was smarter than him. And this is him setting me straight as, as a friend. And so I let him listen to that because I want him to have a picture of what asking for help looks like as he gets older, okay? But I would start that way with my son, Eddie, okay? Thank you. Um, I would trust that the system that you've mentioned is good. They've got a great reputation. I would trust that um, the nurse practitioner, I would trust the path she gave you forward or he gave you forward. I would get a counselor or a a psychologist in your area and I would ask, 
give my son permission to come home for six months, come home for nine months. And here's the thing. It's helpful for everybody to put a time limit on that. You don't have to stick to the time limit. But if you ask a 21-year-old, why don't you come on home? You can look up and it's three years and y'all don't like each other anymore and there's a whole mess. Or it could feel like, dude, I'm a failure. No, no, no. We're just coming on for six months. Come on for six months and let's see if we can get this thing dialed in. I want to start having breakfast with my son. And um, I need to have some healing too. And so let's start doing this together. And then we'll reevaluate in five and a half months and we'll see what comes next. It might be another six months after that. Maybe that's it, right? Enough to get him, um, get his feet underneath him. And he's got to deal with the trauma, the loss. He's going to have to deal with the fear of getting a gun pulled on. He's got to deal with all that stuff. And that's what a counselor is going to help him walk through. And based on the limited stuff you told me, it sounds like his body had enough. There was no margin because of the way he was living. Um, There's no margin here, no margin there, no margin, no margin, no margin. And then somebody pulled a gun on him. And then his girlfriend violated a core value of his, right? And and really hurt him deeply. And, and we could go on and on and on. All I have to say is, your son's not broken. He's not dysfunctional. And he's not lost. This is a great time to hit control, delete on your relationship with your son, your wife's relationship with her son, and to say, hey, let's lean into connectivity and a relationship. Let's follow what the doctors say. Let's be about healing. And as someone who has struggled mightily with anxiety, I want you to know on the other side of it, there's light and there's a lot of laughter and there's a lot of joy and there's good stuff. It's worth it's worth the effort. Thank you so much for your bravery and for uh, being vulnerable, Eddie. I'm grateful for you. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let's go to Brianna in Columbus. What's up, Brianna? Hello. How are we doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? We are just figuring it out every day, right? (laughs) (laughs) So what's up? Absolutely. Um, Okay, so my question is, how much should you talk to your spouse about work? Oh, never. How much should you share? (laughs) Nothing. Never. Are you crazy? What, uh, what's the, tell me some more about what you're asking. Okay, so, um, about three years ago, we moved 12 hours away from our everything we knew for his job. Okay, can we stop right um, here? You're going to have to let that resentment go. I don't know what comes after this, but you'll have no peace in your home or in your marriage. And if you've got kids in your parenting, unless you let that peace go or y'all move back. Is that cool? Absolutely. You're definitely right about that. Um, we are moving back in a few months. Okay. And that's okay. where I'm calling. <laughs> you are moving back. All right. So we're moving back. Wait, um, can I ask you, why are you moving back? It was only supposed to be a temporary thing. Um, he, they opened a new location, needed someone who knew the company to come and manage it for a little bit. So they kind of got up and going. Okay. And it turned into a couple of years. Yeah, it was originally going to be two to three years, so we're out a little longer than three years. Okay. Have you hated it the whole time? Uh, 80% of the time. Why did you hate it? I was very, I have a very close family. Okay. And I um, really struggled figuring out how to make connection with other people Hmm. that I didn't already know at least a little bit or that didn't know me. Gotcha. 
so yeah, that was a, that was a definitely a struggle for a long time. Um, and I went to work at the same place that he worked, um, cause you know, I needed a job and didn't know where to get a job at. Um, and we live on the property. Oh, geez. So I, most of my life is revolved around one thing and that is with the place that he works now. I don't work there at the moment. I work somewhere else and have been able to find friends there and connection there. Um, but sometimes it feels like my entire life is consumed by the place that he works. Why is it consumed? Um, I, I worked there for a long time. Mm -hmm. I started my day there. I ended my day there. And even though, uh, you know, we come home and it's not, you know, we're not clocked in, I'm not at work. I struggle a lot to turn that off in my mind. And I still have a hard time with that, even though I don't work there anymore. Like I have a saying when I get off of work that I have to tell myself so that my brain will transition and I can just go home and be who I am there. And I'm not, you know, clocked in anymore. I'm not working. I'm not what is it? What is the it, things that happened. What's it, the, the things that you're, you're plugged into? Is it like, is it the gossip and like who, who you know, people, someone slept with Dan again? I mean, is it that, or is it, are you dialed into the, like the business function and, and how we're like, we're making money. Like what, what are you missing? Um, for him or for the place where he works, I think that it's more so that I just want to make sure that everything's still okay. And why, that why, why? no one thinks he's horrible. Why? That seems like I'm an incredible sure. burden to, to carry, especially when you can do nothing about it. I would agree with that. Um, let me, let me back out a little bit. Um, cause I think this is all connected. So follow me on a, on a train of thought here. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so you, you left yes. your close knit family and there was an awkward period where you weren't there anymore and you weren't in the know and you weren't in the, in the figuring it all out. Right. Yeah. And you found yourself on an Island somewhere, 12 hours away. Or as you say it, 12 hours away, right? So really far away. Oh, half of a day away. It's only a day. Annie, no, I won't do that. That was 24 hours. That's not 12. So you find yourself 12 hours away. And then there's this decision point. There's this moment. I don't know anybody here. And I'm completely disconnected here. I have one of two choices. I can... Just go be weird and I can go be awkward and I can go find people and try to be awkward with them and be like, hey, I'm new to town and this is weird and y'all want to go get, you know, sandwiches or y'all want to go get coffee or I'm having a barbecue. Y'all are coming to my house and you bring the weird desserts because this is what y'all do 12 hours away from everything I know. And in that process, you have no, you don't know the skills. You don't know any of the, of the lingo. You don't know the culture but you're figuring it out along the way. And the key is you're, you're stumbling and, and tripping and falling forward with other people. The other decision is I'm just going to sit here and watch Netflix and be pissed off for three years. 
and I'm going to get a job and get really embedded into my little world. And if I pull that same thread over here, you went to work with your husband in the same exact place, which, hey, it put food on the table and gave you something to do. Probably wasn't the best thing globally, but it is what it is. It happened. <laughs> and then you left for whatever reason, probably best for your marriage and all things. But instead of now making a new place, you put a, an anchor into that place. And you're trying to control things that backwards again. And yeah. instead of living in the place that you are, you're trying to control places that you've been. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And so my challenge to you is like, so to answer your question, how do you stop? Then you just stop. <laughs> I know it sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> um, here's what it looks like in real life, in real, real life. Um, I'm just going to give you a personal example because I did this yesterday. There's a, uh, I work with university officials behind closed doors and kind of walk, they, you know, we talk and help each other through problems and things and challenges. Um, one, I gave a clear, do not do this thing. And that person went and did that thing. <laughs> and I'm beginning to hear about it across the country. And I was with a group of people yesterday and I was like, I'm telling you, I said, don't do this thing. And then while I'm saying this out loud, number one, I'm gossiping about somebody, which is completely stupid. That's just to lift me up, which is so lame. And B, I, like, I stopped myself. It's like, why do you care? You don't go to that school. Your kids don't go to that school. You have no vested interest. Like, what are you doing? And I literally stopped mid-sentence and just trailed off the conversation in an awkward way. And luckily, I'm so <laughs> awkward most of the time, nobody did. <laughs> nobody thought twice about it. Here's what it looks like in real time for you. The moment you're like, well, hey, is so... Nope, not going to do that. And saying to yourself, I literally don't care. And I want you to practice that. And then more importantly, I want you to practice having something else to talk about, something else of interest to you, something else that you're working on or pretending to get involved in or practice. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Tell me why that's, tell me if that's hard. I know it is. And I know I'm making it sound so easy, but tell me <laughs> like, because it is super hard, but it's also really simple. Yeah. Um. I'm not really, I don't know that I know the answer to that question. Um, besides that this, I feel like that I was drowning in an ocean and this little bitty tiny boat came and grabbed me and now this boat's sinking, but because it saved my life the first time, I'm still holding on to it instead of getting on a different boat. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> Unpack drowning for me. What does that actually um, mean? Was it that you were lost at sea because you left everything you knew and came to a new city and a new state in a new part of the country? You always say you go with you. Mm -hmm. And that is true for me. When we moved here, I had to face the things that I needed to take care of and that I needed to do differently. And that has been a long scary process for me that I have never seen modeled for me. Awesome. Um, did you do it? So I did. I'm, I'm still doing it and I'm never going to stop doing it. It's been incredible. 
So a lot of the time, it felt like I was just going to go all the way under, and I was mm-hmm. never going to climb back out. Yeah. Um, but you did. Yeah, but I did. Did you do it with other people? Yes. And those times you thought you were going under, you realized that other people were holding you up which is why I'm always so adamant about people getting with other people. You just described in very clear terms, bravery. That's courage. Sorry. I'm really, really proud of you. Thank so you. understand this. So you go with you. That's like a little saying I throw around all the time. Um, I'm going to try to make a saying out of what I'm about to say here. I'm not going <laughs> to try to make, I was trying to make a cool little saying that I could put on the internet, but I don't know. I'm not good at that. Um, what's the right way to say this? Um, just because it hurts doesn't mean it's wrong. And my guess is you're going to look back on these three years where you had to figure out who you were and what you were made of and the skills you were missing. You've known it for a long time, but you got to stay in a regular rhythm and routine. And when you're with family a lot, they keep you in your place. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. My sister's four years older than me and my brother's five (laughs) years younger than me. And we all get together and we go right back to being older sister, middle middle kid, younger brother, right? Yeah. And when you untether all that, 12 hours away, (laughs) and you do that, then... Suddenly you got, you, you've known for a long time and here you are dealing with it. And here's the thing. When you go home, people are going to recognize you. Yeah. And it's going to be real easy to go back to old Brianna. Yeah. And that's, that's a fear I've been working through. Yeah. So let me, let me tell you something. And one of the things I think that the modern mental health community of which I'm a part of, I'm at fault here too. We haven't done a good job of, let me say this, we have communicated to people that mental health and wellness is just getting the right thoughts in the right order. And if you can just think the right things in the right order, everything is quote unquote going to be okay. And so there is an important part to think about this coming as you're heading home and the work you've done and the new skills you've picked up and the Brianna that now stands six inches taller than the one who went 12 hours away, right? But I want to add something to it that the the modern mental health community has left out is you're going to have to do different things. You're going to have to hang out with different people and maybe even live in a different part of the town. And you're going to have to say no to things. And you're not just going to go right back to the same Thursday night dinners at Ma's house or whatever because that's the night that you and your husband have chicka what right? Whatever y'all are going to do. But you're going to have to create a new world and live into it. And that's going to be really insulting to the people who expect you to come back and be the Brianna that they have created in their own mind. Yeah. Right? I, I absolutely agree with that. Does your husband, is he in support of you? A million times over. Does he love um, Brianna 2.0? Absolutely. Is he scared about you going back to being you when you get home? Um, I would think that would be a little bit of a fear for him. Um, Have you asked him? He would, I don't think I've asked him that way. Ask him that way. Okay. Because my guess is it's not just, it's just a little fear. I bet it's a big one. And it would be really fun exercise for y'all 
to create a world, to like engineer a new environment moving forward and say, here's the magic question. Who are we going to be the day we land back at home? Who are we going to be? And when we say who we're going to be, we're going to be fun. We're going to be spontaneous. We're going to be laughing. We're going to keep our, our weekly movie nights. We're going to keep our random uh, Thanksgiving full of misfits. We're, we're going to keep these, these parts of ourselves, and that's going to inform the things that you're not going to do. The phone is still getting put away at 8 o'clock at night, so I'm not responding to every family member emergency text because they're not all emergencies, and I don't want to, right? I'm going to begin to create this world, and then I'm going to live into it, and it's going to be fantastic. So hear me say, I'm so proud of you. Recreate this world together that you're going home to. To answer your original, original question about how much should we talk about work, every couple's different. I've learned that the less, the better. And in my house, we set some pretty strong boundaries. And so I will say things like, can I talk about a thing that happened at work today? And my wife will say, do you want a solution or you want me just to listen? And I will say, I just need you to listen. And she'll say, great, go for it. Um, by setting up the setting up the conversation, it keeps her from just becoming my trash bin and me coming home and just dumping crap on her all day long, every day. So I structure the conversations. Like, I want to tell you something about work. Normally, I say, I'm struggling with feeling like I'm not doing anything worth a crap or I'm struggling with a hard conversation I have to have at work. That's less about work and that's about me. And she wants to hear about that. She does not want to hear about the gossip and I don't want to talk about it. She doesn't want to hear about, ooh, what's the, what's the, you know, the, I don't know, the profit report. Of, she don't hear about that. She wants to know if her paycheck's going to change, right? But I think going home and using work as a living soap opera to prop up two people having a conversation with one another is a terrible, terrible way to live. Create your own life with your own joys and your own hard stuff and talk about those things. And if you leave a job, leave it all the way. Leave it all the way. Thank you so much for your bravery, Brown. I'm proud of you. I'm really proud of you. I can't wait to see what happens next. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Winter is finally leaving the premises. There's more light. There's more beauty. The flowers and the birds are out. And sometimes when we're surrounded by things that everyone else says we should be so happy for, and it's also wonderful, and yet we look in the mirror, we don't feel it. And we know that we should be feeling full of energy and excitement, and we should be getting it all done, getting all our work done, connecting deeply in our relationships, dreaming about the future. Our social battery should be full but maybe it's not. Maybe things still feel heavy, like a long winter hangover. I'm hearing from people all over the world that people are facing and experiencing so many challenges and everyone's social battery is pretty low. And of course, it's easy to get on your little phone and just scroll and scroll and pick up a bunch of influencer hacks, but maybe you don't need another hack. Maybe you need to talk to someone, especially someone who's trained to listen, trained to walk with you and help you build self-awareness and create an action plan for what you can do next so that you can recharge your social battery to a full charge. If you are stuck, it might be time to sit with a good friend or a mentor that you trust, or it might be time to try therapy. And I've had seasons in my life where talking to a therapist has made all the difference and it might make a difference for you. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. 
You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time, and they don't charge you anything extra. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Let's take Unamas. Let's go back to Tejas and talk to Samantha. What's up, Samantha? Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are we doing? How's it going? Excellent. I'm good. And you? Yes, I'm good. Very cool. What's up? Okay, so my original question has changed a little bit. Okay. Um, I sent that question on a really rough day, and I've since then had a really great conversation with my husband. Walk me through your um, original question. Okay, so it was basically asking for practical tips on how to trust my husband after a pornography addiction. Okay, all right. Um, and that problem okay, so, solved? <laughs> um, sort of. I mean, it's not like solved. <laughs> so, <laughs> Excellent. All right, so um, on to the next question. What's the next question? Okay. So, um, so basically I still, okay, so it's been about a year and a half since he's been clean from looking at anything. Okay. Um, and so, but I still struggle with my body image. And so I'm kind of looking for like tips or suggestions on how to deal with that or increase positivity with that. Um, and then I also, um, just wanted to mention that I feel like since all of it happened, I've kind of lost, um, it's been more than a year and a half since it came out. And there was also some like from when we dated. And so it's been like years um, of kind of struggling with this off and on. Um, so I, I feel like somewhere along the way I lost like the fun part of me. And I feel like it probably has to do with that. Um, and I don't really know how to get that back. Hmm. So I know that's a lot, but whatever we get to is fine. It'll all be beneficial. <laughs> no, that's good. I, um, let me see here. So this is a hard conversation to have, and here's why. Um, the only part of the conversation I can have is with you because he's not here. Okay? Right. And what makes this a challenge is... I can I can tell you some hard truths, um, mm-hmm. but I want you to acknowledge that I'm telling you this stuff because I love you and not because, and I care about you and your marriage, not because I'm just piling on. It's going to feel yeah. like a pile on when you're listening because I'd only have, if he was here too, I'd be piling on him, right? Does that make sense? So there's, it's not like I'm picking one over the other. So I only got one here, right? Yeah. Um, so that's that frames this. Walk me through your history. So I want to take him and put him in a box, in a drawer and close the drawer. Okay. Box closed. When did your body, when did you not like what you saw in a mirror begin? Um, probably around, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, sophomore year of college. I didn't get the freshman 15. I got the sophomore 15. Um, so I kind of around that time, this is before that, um, I'd be willing to bet my truck's not very nice, but I'd willing be willing to bet my car. This is not about fifteen pounds gained your sophomore year of college when you were nineteen and twenty years old. That's correct. When did the story that you didn't look right begin? I mean, I guess who told you? When that? all 
I don't, I don't know that anybody told me that I am currently reading your newest book. Um, and so I know there's like questions in there about, um, like was your family like always on a diet and always talking about weight and stuff like that. And that is true for me, but it wasn't directed at me. It was mostly like my dad. So listen, that uh, was always, that, well, so I said that mean, like, so listen, I didn't mean to say it like that. <laughs> um, children absorb their environment in a mainline fashion. Yeah. Okay. So I am working with a, a guy. Um, I'm losing weight, but not because I'd quote unquote need to lose weight. I'm trying to accomplish mm-hmm. a particular thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm working with one of the top guys in the, in the country on this. And I'm also trying to dial in my nutrition. So I'm partnering with Dr. Norton's helping, right? So I'm, I'm talking, I have zero issues with my aesthetic. Okay. Mm-hmm. My son, who's 12, I saw him grabbing parts of his belly the other day <laughs> and he's a cross country stud. He's very thin. And he started mm-hmm. asking questions, and I was like, whoa, 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 we're cutting this off right now, okay? Because he picks up what's in the air and mainlines it as though this is him, okay? Mm-hmm. So whether somebody – and this is important. I, it, whether somebody said, you don't look pretty mm-hmm. or you're overweight, which is common, right? That people are – kids are told that all the time. Right. Or – you are conscious, all con- constantly around people who are always looking in the mirror saying, I don't look good enough. I need to do this. We can't go out here. I've got to eat this because I can't do this. I've got to mm-hmm. do that because I can't do this. That, that's just what's modeled for you as you better be careful about what you look like because that has a direct correlation to how much and how well and how deep you're loved. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so in, if you, if you, you may not have got there, but in the book we talk about, there's stories that you were told, but there's also stories you were born into. Mm-hmm. And that 15 pounds may have, and I, again, I, I don't want to harp on that because I think that may be too simplistic, but it may set off a cascade of stress response chemicals in your body that start sounding, start sounding alarms saying you're not enough. Whoa, look out, look out, look out, look out. And then your body begins scanning the environment for places where you're not beautiful, places Mm -hmm. where you're not seen, places where you're not loved. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then Knucklehead sets off those alarms. He sets off a wildfire with gasoline, right? Yeah. How did you stumble into his pornography addiction? (laughs) Um, Which time? (laughs) Yep. So, I mean, there's like three different times. Okay. Um, so twice when we were dating and then a third time after we were married. Um, so the first time was, uh, a conversation we were having, we were driving and he kind of like was testing the waters and seeing like what my reaction would be. And so he asked like, so I had known that he like struggled with it in the past. Um, and so he kind of like tested the waters by asking like, what would you do? Or what would you say if <laughs> blah, 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 blah. That's the most 19 year old way to introduce like, so yeah. let's pretend. <laughs> well, yeah, we were in high you school. You walked in. And, so anyway, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. here's the thing. So you stumbled, y'all had conversations about it, which led to another conversation. And so, and then here it is, right? So yeah. let's, again, let's put him back in the box and back in the drawer. 
Okay. When it comes to quote unquote body positivity, at the end of the day, I wish it was different than what I'm about to say, but you're going to have to make a choice to look in the mirror and decide I have value before and beyond aesthetics, before external beauty. I am lovable. I am worth being loved. And from the inside out, the words that I say have value and meaning. The things that I think are funny are actually funny. The people I like being with are actually people worth being with. And from that inside out, you then take on a stewardship. I'm a person who stewards their body. I'm a person who Mm -hmm. takes care of myself because I'm a person of value. It has to work that direction. You can never lose enough weight to make the inside of yourself feel okay. Yeah. Right? It's like you can't ever earn enough money to make yourself feel valuable. You can buy a lot of a lot of solutions to problems, but you can't solve that inner gnawing, right? And so when you start, and again, you and I could sit down for a couple hours and probably peel back a ton of layers on this onion. You have to decide and choose, I am worth these things. And then you've got to look at your environment. And it may be that your husband cuts you off every time you have an idea or he rolls his eyes and goes, we're not going that way or I don't like that. Maybe not, maybe he's wonderful. But often body positivity, I have found, is linked directly to the strength and power of my voice. Okay. In relationship. Am I, hit, am I hitting home at all or no? Yeah, somewhat, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, definitely making a choice to decide that I have value before and beyond what I look like. Okay. And I also, and this is, I don't want to be controversial, but there's a balance, right? There's also, I have to look in the mirror when I got up to 217 pounds, if you, like I wasn't healthy. Yeah. Right? right. And so I knew not that I'm not lovable and not that I'm wholly unattractive, but I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't doing the best for my body. And if I don't do the best for my body, I get grumpy and I get achy and I just want to mm-hmm. watch TV instead of go play with my kids. And I get self-conscious and let's don't go to the pool let's don't go to the lake and let's let's just sit at home right so it has this down it has this ripple effect all through everything right yeah and so again that's inside out and then the stewardship part is well then cool i'm just gonna start taking care of my diet i'm gonna start taking care of moving my body and then my body responds in time but again that's all secondary and third and fourth to the inner stuff, which is I'm worth getting up and exercising. I'm worth taking care of myself. And the body positivity yeah. comes from the inside out. The second part of this is, I don't think you've gone all in with, with this guy. Oh, can I ask why? Yes. Or like how? You're either waiting for another shoe to drop or you are still lining yourself up in this imaginary line of imaginary women and putting yourself number 76. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, oh, go ahead. Well, I just want to speak to the first thing. Um, so yeah, in about a year and a few months, I've had just recently, like we just had this conversation, like a couple of days after I sent that email 
like end of June. And like, that was the first time since all of this that I've like been able to fully trust him for more than a day. Okay. Um, and so is, is it because he's, if you take the pornography off the table, three different times, you've said, this is an important value to me. And he has said, eh, I don't care. And so do you see how this is more about trust than it is pornography? Yes. Pornography is, is, is the value. Mm-hmm. I want to be your only one. But the part that is rattling your body is, I've told you what's important to me and you've blown me off. You've said your needs are more important than mine. And when that's the case in a marriage, the boat sinks, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you are at a place where you say, I'm going to trust him. And by the way, trust is something you practice. I'm going all in. Trust is a practice. Yeah. And there's going to be mornings you wake up and you suddenly you have a pang of this or a feeling of that or a thought of this. And you're going to have to choose. I'm going to trust him. Until otherwise noted. So, I mean, so the thing on that is like, I, like, this is the most I've trusted him in a really long time, but I'm scared to like tell him that I trust him because I'm scared to fully commit to that. If you don't, you will suffocate yourself and you will drown him. This is a marriage where you've got one foot in and one foot out. Mm -hmm. You're playing married. And, the problem is, is pornography, alcohol, working 98 hours a week, I'm convinced those are connection issues. Mm. And you start trying to heal that gap or duct tape over it or band-aid over that gap of disconnection that you both feel, by the way. Because he's married to a woman that has never trusted him. And whether he acknowledges this... Um, inside or he acknowledges it very concretely there's something he thinks is wrong with him because she won't trust me and he might be untrustworthy just with the pornography discussion you've shown me him, him he's proven himself to be untrustworthy because he violated your values mm-hmm. see what i'm saying yeah and so the conversation that needs to happen with your marriage is are you in or are you out and right now y'all are scuba diving and you just have part of the of the snorkel in. Yeah. Because you're afraid there's like poison in the tank. And so what you're going to do is you're going to guarantee that you suffocate underwater. That you, I mean, you drown by mm-hmm. not wanting to breathe in the gas. And so what I would tell you is either come to the surface or trust that there's oxygen in the tank and breathe it. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. What's the... Do you trust you? Um... I mean, I... I do more than I have in the past, but I... Um... Yes, I I think so. Maybe not completely. I just don't want to look like an idiot if it happens again, even though I know, like, it has nothing to do with me. The only way forward is vulnerability. 
and vulnerable is animals rolling over and showing their bellies and saying, you could kill me. I'm asking you not to. Yeah. And I wish that wasn't the case. That's the only way relationships work. Yeah. And I'd like to think that we were that way, but I mean, I guess not. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I've had several times in my 20-year marriage where I've had to do that. Yeah. I've had to check and I've realized, oh my gosh, I'm not all in anymore. I'm partially in. I'm playing a role. And then my wife feels it and then she has to create a universe where she can exist in it because I have all the oxygen and I'm letting most of it go underwater. Mm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And so the course of marriage is over and over again. Every couple of years, every few weeks, every decade, checking yourself and saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not all in anymore. I've made work my all in. I've made protecting my dignity my all in. I have made not wanting to get burned my all in. Whatever the thing is, I've made that my all in. But when I got married to you, I committed to us being all in. And so I'm coming back and saying, I'm sorry, and I'm going all in. And by the way, Samantha, you're well within your rights to say, I'm going all in. And if you violate my trust again, I'm going to go all out. Mm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the middle ground that 95% of couples accept as normal. And you look around our culture of lonely, divorced, broken up, pornography addicted, alcohol addicted, Netflix addicted people who are just numbing their way through a crappy, miserable life. Yeah. It's a whole bunch of people scared to go all in. And there's people who went all in and got absolutely torched. What I'll tell you, that's the only way forward. Okay. And I know that's scary. Yeah, but I feel more ready than I ever have. Good. So here's what that looks like. This is less about what I want and more about what I need. Okay. I would love for you to spend some time with just Samantha, just by herself, writing down, here's what I need in this marriage. I need somebody I trust. I need somebody that when I lay down a value, that they're with me on that, that we are wired together on values. And by the way, when it comes to something like pornography, expect your husband to screw up. He may screw up. And that doesn't mean all is lost. And that doesn't mean that's the end of everything. And it's a, if he comes to you and says, hey, I screwed up. That's him making it right. If you church check his search history a year from now, and all of a sudden you look at this back, then now, now we got a problem because it's about the deception and the lying, right? And it's the same if he says, hey, I have a value that my wife, my wife is all in. That, and fill in the blank, right? This is about y'all creating a life together one that we can say we're all in on. And that means letting go of this false security that you have that I'm going to keep one toe out. I'm going to keep one. I'm going to keep myself chained to this thing. And then I'm going to jump off the edge. You can't do it. You got to just jump. And that's the beauty of relationships. You do it together. And the scary part is you can get hurt. Let me put it this way. 
you're gonna get hurt. But man, when y'all both go in together, the beauty on the side of that thing is something, the, the alchemy of y'all two working together can be something so much greater than you could have ever, ever imagined. And for what it's worth, you're worth that. You're worth that. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, um, most of y'all don't know this, but um, down her arm, um, Kelly has her favorite country artist tattooed. And it's in Old English, and it's actually on the back of her arm, and it's Keith Urban. Who would have thought an Australian cowboy living in Nashville would make Kelly's heart beat as fast as Keith does? But it's true, and it's real. And um, in honor of where we did Fourth of July this week, this is Kelly's third favorite song of all time. It's called Where the Black Top Ends, and it goes like this. Gonna kick off my shoes and run in bare feet and get bug bites all over the place. Where the grass and the dirt and the gravel all meet. Gonna going back to the well. Gonna visit old friends and feed my soul where the black top ends. I like that. It's a good song. I'm looking down the barrel of a Friday night, riding on a river of freeway lights. Goodbye, city. I'm country bound till Monday rolls around. That's literally how I live my life. Way to go, Kelly. Hey, everybody. We'll see you soon. Coming up on the next episode, this is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. Greatest mental health podcast ever said by nobody. When you called last time, you've been using a long time, right? Yeah, I had been smoking weed every day for about eight years. Tell me about your adventure you've been on. So I have been sober, completely sober for 62 days today. I'm so excited. I'm so proud of you. I have a 21-year-old daughter who has recently attempted suicide twice. I'd like to know what we can do as a family around her to prevent this from happening again. 